Chapter One of the Lives of the Most Eminent Painters, Sculptors, and Architects, Volume Six. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Elsie Selwyn. Lives of the Most Eminent Painters, Sculptors, and Architects, Volume Six by Giorgi Vasari, translated by Gaston du C. de Vere. Section One. If writers of history were to live a few years longer than the number commonly granted as the span of human life, I, for my part, have no manner of doubt that they would have something to add to the accounts of the past previously written by them, for the reason that, even as it is not possible for a single man, be he ever so diligent, to learn the exact truth in a flash, or to discover all the details of his subject in the little time at his command, so it is as clear as the light of day that time, who is said to be the father of truth, is always revealing new things every day to the seeker after knowledge. If many years ago, when I first wrote and also published these lives of the painters and other craftsmen, I had possessed that full information which I have since received concerning Fra Gicondo of Verona, a man of rare parts and a master of all the most noble faculties, I would, without a doubt, have made that honorable record of him which I am now about to make for the benefit of craftsmen, or rather, of the world, and not of him only, but also of many other masters in Verona, who have been truly excellent. And let no one marvel that I place them all under the image of one only, because not having been able to obtain portraits of them all, I am forced to do this, but so far as in me lies, not one of them shall thereby have his excellence defrauded of its due. Now, since the order of time and merit so demands, I shall speak first of Fra Gicondo. This man, when he assumes the habit of Saint Dominique, was called not simply Fra Gicondo, but Fra Giovanni Giocondo. How the name Giovanni dropped from him I know not, but I do know that he was always called Fra Gicondo by everyone, and although his chief profession was that of letters, and he was not only a very good philosopher and theologian, but also an excellent Greek scholar, which was a rare thing at that time, when learning and letters were just beginning to revive in Italy, nevertheless he was also a very fine architect, being a man who always took supreme delight in that art as Scaliger relates in his epistle against Cardin, and the learned Boudet in his book De Asse, and in the observations that he wrote on the Pandex. Fra Gicondo, then, who was a fine scholar, a capable architect, and an excellent master of perspective, spent many years near the person of the Emperor Maximilian, and was master in the Greek and Latin tongues to the learned Scaliger, who writes that he heard him dispute with profound learning on matters of the greatest subtlety before the same Maximilian. It is related by persons still living, who remember the facts very clearly, that at the time when Verona was under the power of that emperor, the bridge which is called the Ponte de la Pietra in that city was being restored, and it was seen to be necessary to refound the central pier, which had been destroyed many times in the past and Fra Gicondo gave the design for refounding it, and also for safeguarding it in such a manner that it might never be destroyed again. His method of safeguarding it was as follows. He gave orders that the pier should be kept always bound together with long, double piles fixed below the water on every side, 
to the end that these might so protect it that the river should not be able to undermine it for the place where it is built is in the main current of the river the bed of which is so soft that no solid ground can be found on which to lay its foundations and excellent in truth as is evident from the result was the advice of fra giocondo for the reason that the pier has stood firm from that time to our own as it still does without ever showing a crack and there is hope that by the observation of the suggestions given by that good monk it will stand for ever in his youth fra giocondo spent many years in rome giving his attention to the study of antiquities and not of buildings only but also of the ancient inscriptions that are in the tombs and the other relics of antiquity both in rome itself and its neighbourhood and in every part of italy and he collected all these inscriptions and memorials into a most beautiful book which he sent as a present according to the account of the citizens of verona mentioned above to the elder lorenzo de medici the magnificent to whom by reason of the great friendliness and favour that he showed to all men of talent both fra gicondo e domizzizzo calderino his companion and compatriot were always most deeply devoted of this book poliziano makes mention in his mugalane in which he uses various parts of it as authorities calling fra gicondo a profound master in antiquities the same gicondo wrote some observations which are in print on the commentaries of caesar and he was the first who made a drawing of the bridge built by caesar over the river rhone and described by him in those same commentaries but misunderstood in the time of fra gicondo him the aforesaid bude confesses to have had as his master in the study of architecture thanking god that he had been taught his vitruvius by a teacher so learned and so diligent as was that monk who corrected in that author a vast number of errors not recognized up to that time and this he was able to do with ease because he was a master of every kind of learning and had a good knowledge of both the greek tongue and the latin this and other things declares boudet extolling fra gicondo as an excellent architect and adding that by the researches of the same monk there were discovered in an old library in paris the greater part of the epistles of pliny which after having been so long out of the hands of mankind were printed by aldus mantuius as may be read in a latin letter written by him and printed with the same when living in paris in the service of king louis the twelfth fra gicondo built two superb bridges over the seine covered with shops works truly worthy of that magnanimous king and of the marvellous intellect of fra gicondo wherefore that master in addition to the inscription in his praise that may still be seen on those works won the honour of being celebrated by sanarazzo a rare poet in this most beautiful distich jocundus geminum imposuit tibi sequana pontem hunc tu jure potes dicere pontificum besides this he executed a vast number of other works for that king throughout all his kingdom but of these after having made mention of those above as being the greatest i shall say no more then happening to be in rome at the death of bramante he was placed in company with raffaello da urbino and giuliano da sangallo in charge of the church of st pietro to the end that the structure begun by bramante might be carried forward now from the circumstance that it had been erected in haste and for other reasons given in another place 
it was threatened to fall in many parts and by the advice of fra gicondo raffaello and giuliano the foundations were in great measure renewed in which work persons who were present and are still living declare that those masters adopted the following method they excavated below the foundations many large pits after the manner of wells but square at a proper distance one from another which they filled with masonry and between every two of these piers or rather pits filled with masonry they threw very strong arches across the space below insomuch that the whole building came to be placed on new foundations without suffering any shock and was secured for ever from the danger of showing any more cracks but the work for which seems to me that fra gicondo deserves the greatest praise is one on account of which an everlasting gratitude is due to him not only from the venetians but from the whole world as well for he reflected that the life of the republic of venice depended in great measure on the preservation of its impregnable position on the lagoons on which that city as it were by a miracle is built and that whenever those lagoons silted up with earth the air would become infected and pestilential and the city consequently uninhabitable or at the least exposed to all the dangers that threaten cities on the mainland he set himself therefore to think in what way it might be possible to provide for the preservation of the lagoons and of the site on which the city had been built in the beginning and having found a way fra gicondo told the signori that if they did not quickly come to some resolution about preventing such an evil in a few years to judge by that which could be seen to have happened in part they would become aware of their error without being in time to be able to retrieve it roused by this warning and hearing the powerful arguments of fra gicondo the signori summoned an assembly of the best engineers and architects that there were in italy at which many opinions were given and many designs made but that of fra gicondo was held to be the best and was put into execution they made a beginning therefore with excavating a great canal which was to divert two-thirds or at least one-half of the water brought down by the river bentra and to conduct that water by a long detour so as to debauch into the lagoons of chiogia and thus that river no longer flowing into the lagoons at venice has not been able to fill them up by bringing down earth as it has done at chiogia where it has filled and banked up the lagoons in such a manner that where there was formerly water many tracts of land and villas have sprung up to the great benefit of the city of venice wherefore it is the opinion of many persons and in particular the magnificent messer luigi cornaro a venetian gentleman of ripe wisdom gained both by learning and by long experience that if it had not been for the warning of fra gicondo all the silting up that took place in the lagoons of chiogia would have happened and perhaps on a greater scale in those of venice inflicting incredible damage and almost ruin on that city the same messer luigi who was very much the friend of fra gicondo as he is and always has been of all men of talent declares that his native city of venice owed an eternal debt of gratitude for this to the memory of fra gicondo who on this account he says might reasonably be called the second founder of venice and that he almost deserves more praise for having preserved by that expedient the grandeur and nobility of that marvellous and puissant city than do those who built it at the beginning in such a weak and ill-considered fashion seeing that the benefit received from him will be to all eternity 
as it has been hitherto of incalculable utility and advantage to venice not many years after fra gicondo had executed this divine work the venetians suffered a great loss in the burning of the rialto the place in which are the magazines of their most precious merchandise the treasure as it were of that city this happened at the very time when that republic had been reduced by long continued wars and by the loss of the greater part or rather almost the whole of her dominions on the mainland to a desperate condition in the signori then governing were full of doubt and hesitation as to what they should do however the rebuilding of that place being a matter of the greatest importance they resolved that it should be reconstructed at all costs and wishing to give it all possible grandeur in keeping with the greatness and magnificence of that republic and having already recognized the talent of fra gicondo and his great ability in architecture they gave him the commission to make a design for that structure whereupon he drew one in the following manner he proposed to occupy all the space that lies between the canal delle Becieri and the rialto and the rio del fondaco delle farine taking as much ground between one canal and the other as would make a perfect square that is the length of the sides of this fabric was to be as great as the space which one covers at the present day in walking from the debouchure of one of the canals into the grand canal to that of the other he intended also that the same two canals should debouch on the other side into a common canal which was to run from the one to the other so that the fabric might be left entirely surrounded by water having the grand canal on one side the two smaller canals on two other sides and on the last the new canal that was to be made then he desired that between the water and the buildings right round the square there should be made or rather should be left a beach or quay of some breadth which might serve as a piazza for the selling in duly appointed places of the vegetables fruits fish and other things that come from many parts to the city it was also his opinion that right round the outer side of the buildings there should be erected shops looking out upon those same quays and that these shops should serve only for the sale of eatables of every kind and in these four sides the design of fra gicondo had four principal gates namely one to each side placed in the centre one directly opposite to another but before going into the central piazza by which side one entered one would have found both on the right hand and on the left a street which ran round the block of buildings and had shops on either side with handsome workshops above them and magazines for the use of those shops which were all to be devoted to the sale of woven fabrics that is fine woolen cloth and silk which are the two chief products of that city this street in short was to contain all the shops that are called the tuscans and the silk merchants from this double range of shops there was to be access by way of the four gates into the centre of the whole block that is to say into a vast piazza surrounded on every side by spacious and beautiful loggi for the accommodation of the merchants and for the use of the great number of people who flock together for the purposes of their trade and commerce to that city which is the custom-house of all italy or rather of europe under those loggi on every side were to be the shops of the bankers goldsmith and jewellers and in the centre was to be built a most beautiful temple dedicated to st matthew in which the people of quality might be able to hear the divine offices in the morning with regard to this temple however some persons declared that fra gicondo changed his mind and wished to build two under the loggi so as not to obstruct the piazza 
and in addition this superb structure was to have so many other conveyances embellishments and adornments all in their proper places that whoever sees at the present day the beautiful design that fra gicondo made for the whole declares that nothing more lovely more magnificent or planned with better order could be imagined or conceived by the most excellent of craftsmen be his genius never so happy it was proposed also with the advice of the same master and as a completion to this work to build the bridge of the rialto of stone covered with shops which would have been a marvellous thing but this enterprise was not carried into effect for two reasons first because the republic on account of the extraordinary expenses incurred in the last war happened to be drained dry of money and secondly because a gentleman of great position and much authority at that time of the family so it is said of valeresto being a man of little judgment in such matters and perchance influenced by some private interest chose to favor one maestro zanfragnino who so i am informed is still alive and who had worked for him on buildings of his own this zanfragnino a fit and proper name for a master of his calibre made the design for that medley of marble which was afterwards carried into execution and which is still to be seen and many who are still alive and remember the circumstances very well are even yet not done with lamenting that foolish choice fra Gicondo, having seen that shapeless design preferred to his beautiful one and having perceived how much more virtue there often is in favour than in merit with nobles and great persons felt such disdain that he departed from venice nor would he ever return although he was much entreated to do it and the design with others by the same monk remained in the house of the bragadini opposite to saint marina in the possession of frate angelo a member of that family and a friar of saint dominic who by reason of his many merits afterwards became bishop of vicenza fra Gicondo was very versatile and delighted in addition to the pursuits already mentioned in simples and in agriculture thus messer donato gianotti the florentine who was very much his friend for many years in france relates that once when living in that country the monk reared a peach tree in an earthen pot and that this little tree when he saw it was so laden with fruit that it was a marvellous sight on one occasion by the advice of some friends he had set it at a place where the king was to pass and would be able to see it when certain couriers who passed by first plucked all the peaches off that little tree as such like people were sure to do and playing about with one another scattered what they could not eat along the whole length of the street to the great displeasure of fra Gicondo, the matter coming to the ears of the king he first laughed over the jest with the courtiers and then after thanking the monk for what he had done to please him gave him a present of such a kind that he was consoled fra Gicondo was a man of saintly and most upright life much beloved by all the great men of letters of his age and in particular by domizzo calderino matteo bosso and paolo emilio the writer of the history of france all three his compatriots very much his friends likewise were at Sanerazzo, Boudet, and Aldus Mantuius, with all the Academy of Rome, and he had a disciple in Julius Caesar Scaliger, one of the most learned men of our times. Finally, being very old, he died, but precisely at what time and in what place this happened, and consequently where he was buried is not known. End of section 1. Recording by Elsie Selwyn.